Hello, this is David Klein with the next lecture, and this one is about industrialization. So we're stepping back in time a little bit. The last lecture was about modern industrial design, and this is a little bit about the history behind that. So for industrial design, we really need to start with the Industrial Revolution. Now, things were produced and even mass-produced previous to the Industrial Revolution, but by and large it was by hand labor and craft. So before the Industrial Revolution, there was kind of a, uh, a designer who was also an artist and a maker. So they had the idea and made it themselves. During the Industrial Revolution, and especially after, became increased separation between the designer and the producer. So uh, the Industrial Revolution happened over a, a long period of time, and this exact period varies among historians. And there's uh, generally a handful of major uh, reasons why it happened. So first of all, there's increased day-to-day -day health and living conditions. Second of all, it is, uh, there's an increase in global markets as there's communication and uh, commerce going on between uh, new colonies internationally. There's a long period of social and political stability. So uh, people are kind of in a, in a good positive mood to start business and start commerce. There's also new banking uh, techniques in banking and handling of credit. There's also a, a kind of new way of uh, organizing and uh, sending and receiving mail. So it's a lot better communication. And the last thing, the kind of physical thing that relates to our class is the steam engine. So when it came to actually producing things in the factory uh, physically, it was the steam engine that really opened up uh, mass production during the Industrial Revolution. So on the left we have a craftsperson. Uh, this is a metalsmith, and he's uh, making something himself one at one at a time. Maybe horseshoes or something, uh, a component for some kind of mechanism. But uh, he's skilled, and he goes to work, and uh, maybe he's smiling and kind of feels good about what he does. But over the period of the Industrial Revolution, uh, the environment starts to look more like the image we have on the right that's more like a factory work. And I don't know if any of you have ever worked in a factory, but I have briefly, and it's uh, not the most pleasant work. But this is the general shift that uh, labor went through uh, during the Industrial Revolution, that is from the craftsperson to the factory. And so since we have the factory, we need a lot of more people to work in the factory. And that initially was uh, pretty bad slums that were on the outskirts of London. Um, primarily the Industrial Revolution first occurred in Britain and spread to other countries then. But uh, in London and outlying areas, there were these uh, slums where the factory labor, work, labor uh, workers were lived. And it wasn't very clean. It was before uh, sewage and toilets, so it smelled really bad. There's really, uh, you can read some horrifying accounts of the type of living here. And of course, some of this permeates today. Uh, we have toilets and sewage, of course, but uh, there's, there's bad living conditions all across the world uh, in relation to uh, factory labor. So the arts and crafts movement was a group of designers and artists that uh, really became disturbed by the level to which style, 
craftsmanship and public taste had sunk uh, during the Industrial Revolution. It was easy to make things, and they felt like these factories were just um, churning out useless product, useless and ugly products, one after the other. And we kind of have an echo of this today. Uh, a lot of people, design critics, um, express this kind of concerns of the uh, plastic products that are coming uh, from China now. That's a relatively easy to get things mass produced. They're not much thought put into them. And we're just filling our world with these uh, plastic objects from factories. So this is not uh, limited to the Industrial Revolution. But the arts and crafts movement was uh, against these products and the, the production, and they were also um, trying to reclaim some of the dignity, and they were trying to emphasize uh, the dignity that a craft worker has when you really put your heart and soul into something and you make it yourself uh, versus if you're just putting a nut and bolt on something. Uh, your life doesn't feel very good. You're not very happy about what you're doing. So they were concerned uh, equally with the human aspect as much as they were with the physical aspects of the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution and industrialization uh, provides opportunity for uh, what's coming a little bit later. It's uh, referred to as the age of invention. So now uh, we have a lot of factories and uh, things in place everyone has technology to kind of produce basic components now it's a question of uh, what inventive can you can you think of and uh, what kind of technology can you use in combination with mass production to introduce to the public so this is a kind of introduction of a lot of the technologies that we uh, continue to use today so these are really life-changing technologies and in large part inspired by entrepreneurs who wanted to make some money and inventors who thought they had really great ideas about the future so it was a really lively period uh, especially during the United States there was just an explosion of inventions and um, I'm not going to ask you to memorize these dates but just be familiar with the kind of things that were coming out uh, during the late 1800s the phonograph that became um, record player later, and then, of course, um, cassette tape and CDs, and now we have the, the I, um, iPod, and motion pictures and radio signals. Um, and so all these were coming out. It was a really um, exciting time. Edison was one of the great inventors, of course, uh, American hero. And there's great books about Edison. If you're if you're into technology, um, you should really you know track a book down about him because he was quite an inspirational character. Uh, his studio was initially in New York, and then he moved over to New Jersey, and uh, he he spent a lot of time uh, in his lab. He hardly slept. He's kind of famous for just sleeping a couple hours a night. And uh, here we see the the light bulb that he also invented. Uh, during this period of invention. The telephone, 1876, and uh, I like this image because it's one of the first ones that shows the, the wires and how the, the telephone, which is just the technology to communicate, uh, actually transformed the physical landscape by, by uh, these wires. And even in my backyard today, I must have 400 wires running across my backyard, and I just use a cell phone. But uh, anyway, they're there, and that was the beginning. The typewriter and sewing machine came out in the late 1800s as well. 
And uh, these were a couple of inventions that certainly did open some opportunity, especially for women in the workplace. So the typewriter kind of ushered women into the world of business. But on the other hand, it also limited their place in business. Uh, and it became, you know, kind of just the secretaries and not able to move past. So initially the machine kind of uh, gave them some uh, prosper, but it also limited them later. And similar with the sewing machine that lim uh, liberated women from some domestic work and uh, provided them some opportunity to make some money, but then also um, really kind of enslaved some women, uh, especially immigrants during the early 1900s in the garment industry. The bicycle uh, has no exact date of um, invention, but it's developed over a period of time. And there's kind of a series of inventions that became the bicycle. It's generally uh, contributed to um, a few different people, actually, from France. So it's a French invention. And uh, it's the first mass-produced machine that contributed directly to freedom of the individual. So the automobile came later, but the bike, uh, if you think about it, really opens up a lot wider distance that a person can travel, can travel with some things or go to visit someone uh, several miles. And if we think about the bicycle today, um, some great things about it, there's no pollution, doesn't use gas, doesn't create any pollution. Uh, Design-wise, it's a really straightforward, um, honest display of structure and how it works. And then, of course, it contributes to our fitness as we ride it. So one of the great inventions of history, I think. You'll read a little bit about Frederick Taylor in the Whitley book and maybe the Volte text as well. But uh, Frederick Taylor was um, one of the pioneers in the principles of scientific management. And uh, he wrote, in fact, his book called The Principles of Scientific Management. And he studied uh, factory experiences in the late 1800s, turn of the century. And this was published in 1911. So he went and studied uh, how people worked and how factories were organized and tried to design uh, the perfect you know, production facility or organize the chaos of the factory. So a lot of his ideas were... Um, picked up by Henry Ford, but actually the uh, scientific management itself and Frederick W. Taylor uh, just didn't, re was never really accepted widely in the United States or anywhere else. It was just too uh, mechanized and it was too cold and it alienated uh, people the way that he kind of reduced things down to um, uh, like people as robots. Christopher Dresser uh, lived around this time, and I wanted to include a few images of his work because he's considered by many to be the first uh, industrial designer. Uh, that He's considered the first industrial designer because he really embraced mass production, and he designed his objects so that they could be produced efficiently, but also they looked good. So this was before... Uh, anyone used the term industrial design, and uh, Christopher Dresser felt that there is a new, there's going to be a new kind of profession. Um, it's not an artist, it's not an engineer, it's something between an artist and an uh, industrialist, and that's what he was um, forging.
This is an image of Christopher Dresser on the upper left and some of his designs. And if you might not know what they are, but they are racks for keeping toast on. So you would put slices of bread in here and you could put it in the oven and it would make the toast. They didn't have the toasters back then like we have now. So um, I wanted to show these because they're, they're pretty simple, but they're very geometric. And if you look at each of the components, they're very easy to produce in an industrial environment. So they might not be really like um, Art Nouveau or really high style, especially for the period, but um, they were easy to produce. And the important thing about Dresser was that he embraced mass production. A few more designs by Dresser, and probably his most famous design is the electroplated teapot he designed in 1879 on the upper left. So this is a unique uh, rectilinear design. It was very different from uh, designs of the day. And then he also did a lot of other tabletop stuff uh, with glass and metal. We see a couple of examples of that on the bottom right. Henry Ford. Um, culminating industrialization in the United States was the Ford automobile. And uh, Henry Ford took a lot of the principles of scientific management um, and the moving assembly line especially and was able to produce automobiles that were affordable, really reliable, and they were standardized. So if something went wrong, you could just go get another part and replace it. Uh, this was a new idea, the standardization and uh, people didn't believe that uh, he could replace a part on a car. So at one point, he uh, parked two of his Model Ts next to each other and completely disassembled them and spread all the pieces out on the ground. And he invited the public to switch pieces back and forth. And uh, after they did this for a while, he assembled the two cars and drove them both off. So that was really an example of uh, how standardization could be used to the advantage uh, for the consumer. But the big um, invention, the big in, uh, innovation he made in production was to employ the moving assembly line. And that was new. So um, the, the workers could stay in place and the automobile came along the assembly line and the worker had just enough time to do what he needed to do. So it really broke down the production into smaller tasks. And uh, as we see here on the slide, uh, he reduced the time to produce a Model T. Uh, used to take 14 hours and after he implemented the moving assembly line it only took 93 minutes. So that's a major improvement that really enabled the car to be sold at an um, affordable price. A couple of quotes here, uh, one by Ford and one by Edison. So the one on the top, uh, there is there is but one rule for the industrialist, and that is make the highest quality goods possible at the lowest cost possible, paying the highest wages possible. So it's quite an ambitious statement here, and uh, Henry Ford is certainly uh, one of the heroes of the early American industrialization. And then on the bottom, uh, we see the quote, machinery is the salvation of the American manufacturer. So this uh, is an indication of how strongly, uh, especially in America, but really internationally, that industrialists uh, are increasingly turning to uh, mechanism and uh, mass production for the production of all kinds of goods, not just the automobile.
And here we see an image of the Model T on the left in production in 1914. And uh, we have the quote that's kind of the ultimate uh, quote in standardization that Henry Ford said you could have it in any color as long as it's black. And uh, if we think about this, uh, if people wanted a blue color, uh, green or yellow, uh, you would have to have a different production line and uh, you have to order the paints and the paint delivery comes from the paint company and you have to clean the guns. And uh, even the smallest change like that opens a huge uh, opportunity for things to go wrong and introduce new price uh, increases into the into the automobile. So the more that a product is standardized, uh, the, the, the better it is for mass production.